0: Where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible?
1: Hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? I'm going to begin with a question, the question is this, is it possible for two members of the same sex to love each other? You know, I believe our youth today are being lied to. I believe they're being lied to by the media, I believe they're being lied to by Hollywood, the movies that are put out, the tabloids, the men's magazines, the women's magazines, the talk show hosts, I believe they're being lied to and told a a bunch of hogwash, and what they're told is this, if you have an affection or a love for a member of the same sex, you must be a homosexual or a lesbian. That's why I asked the question, is it possible for two members of the same sex to love each other? Let's find out what's really in the Bible about this subject, what's really in your Bible. In 1 Samuel 18 and verse 1, this is a story of David and Jonathan. And it says, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. This is a very touching, uh, moving expression here because it talks about loving someone as you love your own soul. In fact, that's how we are told that we are to love people. We are to love our husband, our wife as we love our own bodies, as we love our own souls. And here is a man, David and Jonathan, two men who the love, the expression of love here is they love each other as they love their own bodies, as they love their own souls. Quite a powerful illustration of real love. Now, a very tragic thing happens in this story. Jonathan is killed in battle. Let's pick up the story in 2 Samuel 1 and verse 26. David is speaking. He says, I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been unto me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. Wow, I mean, this is something else. David is saying the kind of love that he had for this man actually surpassed the love that he had for women. What he's saying is that the love that he had for David surpassed that of women. Now, my point is this. David and Jonathan were not homosexuals, but the love that David had for Jonathan surpassed that of women. So why would anyone buy into the lie that is destroying our youth today. That just because you have a love for a member of the same sex that surpasses that of, let's say, heterosexual couples, that you must be gay. Why would anybody fall for that nonsense? So let's ask this question. What makes homosexuality wrong? If it's not the love that two men or two women can have for one another, if that's not wrong, well then what makes it wrong? Well, let's go to your Bible and find out what's really in your Bible. In Leviticus 18 and verse 22, Leviticus 18 and verse 22 says, You shall not lie with mankind as with uh, womankind. It is an abomination. You shall not lie with mankind as you do with womankind. It is an abomination. It is the act of sexual intercourse that makes it wrong. It's not the love It is two people of the same sex trying to engage in sexual intercourse that makes it wrong. Now, my mother one time said, and I I really can't say this word on the air, um, you know, they'd probably throw me off the air if I tried to say this, but, you know, my mother's 86 years old, and, and I sort of come from a family that didn't really mince words that much, and my mother, 86, you know, said, well, if a man doesn't know what his, and she mentioned, mentioned a certain body part, is for, then there's not a lot of hope for him. And you know, that kind of wisdom, you know, elderly people have a way of seeing things just in black and white. You know, they, 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 they say it, you know, like it is, you know. And it, was, it had been foolish for me to argue with my mother and say, oh, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that's, that's, that doesn't make any sense. No, what she said made perfect sense. In other words, heterosexual couples—you know—there's something about the design that God gave each; they fit together, men and women. Now, one time I heard a survey. It was a survey of elderly people, elderly couples, married married couples, who had stopped having sex because of their age. Now, now I know that sounds strange, but believe me, I, th- I think the day is probably coming for all of us. In Genesis 18 and verse 11, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, they had, Abraham and Sarah had stopped having sex. And we, anyway, in this, in, in this survey, they asked these elderly couples who were no longer able to have sex about their love for one another. And what they discovered is that their love had not faded Oh, sure, it was great when they were younger and they could have sexual relationship. It was a wonderful thing. But their love has not, had not faded. If anything, it had gotten stronger. That sex was, while it is an expression of love, it was not something necessary to, uh, for love to exist. That it is possible to, to truly love each other without uh, a sexual relationship. And this is what you need to understand when it comes to people of the same sex. Yes, it's possible for two men or two women to truly uh, love each other. So I can just hear someone say, well, what about marriage then? If two people of the same sex uh, really love each other, then why can't they get married? Well, you've got to understand the design God's design for marriage was for the safety and protection and development of the family. In other words, the marriage institution is really all about the children. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about keeping a functional family system together. The marriage covenant is for the protection of the children. So the argument becomes irrelevant when we talk about, well, how come two members of the same sex can't get married? Well, because they can't produce children. Children are not involved. And so, you know, you don't, you know, it becomes a useless argument, and an irrelevant argument. Now, okay, I can just hear someone say, well, what about adoption, you know? Well, I think that's even a greater abomination for two members of the same sex to try to adopt a child and corrupt that child uh, in that dysfunctional system that they got going on. You see, children have to have two dynamics in in their lives. They have to have a mother and a father. And if one or the other is missing, um, whether you're talking about the sin of homosexuality or lesbianism and trying to bring children into the world, whether you're talking about divorce, uh, if one or the other is missing, that creates the father or the mother. If one or the other is missing, that creates a dysfunctional family system. The children will be hurt because the father or the mother is missing. And they will have a lot of dysfunction going on in their lives. I think it's sad that our sin-sick society, that we are educated and indoctrinated by fools. I think it's bad, really bad. That take our youth, when they are most vulnerable... Right after puberty, when hormones are raging, our society takes them, the media takes them, the Hollywood you know, movies, the tabloids, the men's magazines, the women's magazines, the talk show hosts, and they feed them this lie that says if you have an affection or love for a member of the same sex, that you must be a homosexual or a lesbian. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, I have men in my life, I'm thinking of two minister men that I have that I love. I love those men, but we're not having sex. You understand what I'm saying? No, it's not about a sexual relationship. It is about a love that I have for those men. Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says about this subject in Romans one and verse 26. It says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Notice this, against nature. And likewise also the man leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one to another, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Well, there's no, you know, the King James boys sort of mince their words, especially when it comes to the subject of sex. But there's no misunderstanding what, what is being said here. This kind of behavior will lead you away from God. And if you continue down this road, it will lead you to a hatred towards God. Now, you don't want that, do you? No, you don't want that. Now, you may be confused about your sexuality. One of the reasons that you're confused is because of what the world has been teaching you. But I don't think any of you who are confused about your sexuality want to go into a relationship where you actually end up separating yourself from God that would lead you to ultimately despise and hate God. I don't think you want that. Now, here's what you got to understand if you're confused about your sexuality, and many young people today are. Here's here's what you got to understand. I'm going to give you some points here to live by. So far, you have been educated and indoctrinated by the world. Okay. All right. What's wrong with that? Well, there's a lot wrong with that. The world is against you. The wor- world is not for you. Now, I know, you know, I remember the song Louis Armstrong. You may not remember that, but you know, what a wonderful world. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yeah, we like to think that. We like to kid ourselves and think it's a wonderful world. But if you go to the post office, you know, and you see missing children, you know, and you watch the news, local news, you realize it's not a wonderful world. It's not a wonderful world at all. You've been lied to. Well, here's what your Bible says about the world. 1 John 2 and verse 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice that. If you love the world, the love of God is not in you. The love for God is not in you. If you love the world, you have to to take a pick. You have to choose which one you're going to love. You're going to love the world Or you're going to love God and what God stands for. You're going to love his word. Or you're going to love the world. You see, the world is the one telling you the lie. The world is the one that has stolen your innocence. The world is the one using you and abusing you and perverting your sexuality. That's coming from the world. It's coming from its education and its indoctrination. It will chew you up and spit you out and destroy your life. You see, so far you've been educated and indoctrinated by the world. Now, here's my point. You can, at this moment, just as easily make the decision to be educated and indoctrinated by the Word of God. What you need to do is this. Find you a good, and it may be hard to do, but find you a good Bible-teaching church that sticks to the Word of God. Now, I know that sometimes the idea of church for young people, they're not, they're not quite thrilled about that. But in one survey I heard one time is that what, what people want from church is anonymity. You know, they don't want to be pointed out and put on the spot. They just want to go in and leave. Okay, find you a big church that you can just go in there. You know, And, and again, I'm not asking you to give your hand to the preacher or your heart to the Lord. I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking you to join a church or anything like that. I'm just saying, show up. Remember the anonymity thing. Go in, listen, listen to the word of God being taught. And you know, it will begin slowly but surely to change your life. As you refocus, as you leave one element of, you know, as you leave the world, you see, what I'm asking you to do is this. Walk away from your abusive relationship with the world. Walk away from your love affair with the world and begin to change that focus and to begin to be educated by the word of God. And you will see your desires changing. You will see your heart changing. You will see the man in the mirror changing. Your desires, your heart, your lusts of the flesh, the way you view things. The way you view the world will start to change. You realize, you will realize one day that the world is your enemy and God is on your side. But you gotta walk away from your abusive relationship from, with the world that is destroying your innocence right now. Your love affair with the world, you gotta walk away from that. You ever heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? I think we all have, it's a nasty, ugly story. But it was a sin-sick society, a bunch of sodomites, you know. And the scripture tells us this in Genesis 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know." Now this tells us a little bit about God that you need to know. That God is not like an angry mad scientist just wiping people out, killing them right and left. Sometimes you get that picture from reading the Old Testament that God just killed people right and left. But no, God is very compassionate. And it was necessary, he heard the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah come up. The shrieks, the cries, the pain, the suffering, the abuse, the sexual abuse, the filth, the stench. And he says, I'm going to go down there personally for myself. In other words, God had to go down there and see the sweat on men's bodies. He had to smell the smells. He had to see it for himself. And once he went down there to see it, then he would make a correct decision as to what to do about it. Well, how bad was it? Oh, it was bad, really bad. There was a, one family in there called Lot, Lot and his family, that God wanted to rescue. He was referred to in the Bible as righteous Lot. Now, it was like, you know, this, this man was living like right in the middle of San Francisco, or whatever, but, uh, you know, it was, he was right in the middle of the muck and the mire, but he had kept his integrity. And he had a family, and, and God sent two angels down there to rescue Lot and his family. Well, they go down there, the two angels that appeared like men, and when they entered Lot's home, the men of Sodom gathered around and banged on the door and said, Let us in, that we may know them, the two men that went in. Now, they didn't know they were angels, but they wanted in, and they said, "We That we may know them the word, you know, King James, to know, Adam knew his wife and she conceived. What they wanted to do was to gang rape these two men that went into Lot's home. And Lot did something very disturbing. It took me years to figure this one out with the help of a fellow minister. But Lot comes out and says, no, 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 don't do such a wicked thing. Here, I have two virginal daughters that have never known men. Do of them as you please. Now, that bothers me, and the reason it bothers me, because, you know, a father, there's a protection that a father offers, especially when it comes to his daughters. You know, he wants to provide, he wants to keep them safe, he wants to protect them from evil. So this story never really made any sense to me that a father, a loving father, would say, hey, uh, okay, you bunch of perverts, take my virginal daughters and do with them as you please. You know, that never made any sense, but I I think the answer is this. Lot knew the men wouldn't take the women. The daughters were probably in the back giggling to themselves and saying, yeah, right, Dad. Yeah, they're gonna go with that one. Yeah, they're gonna take us. Yeah, right, 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 okay. You see, they didn't want, now I asked the question, how bad had it gotten? Okay, this is how bad it had gotten. The men didn't want the women. You get that? How far do you have to go before that becomes a reality where men don't care for the women? And so God rained down like a nuclear blast on this city. He rescued Lot and his family, destroyed them all, the rest of them, the rest of the town. Now, what was so bad about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, basically they had abandoned the building blocks of a society, the family. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall be one flesh. They had abandoned, the whole city was so twisted and perverted that they had abandoned the building blocks of society, the family, they didn't care for that anymore. They didn't care for that anymore. They had no interest in it. You know, it's not that homosexuality is the worst sin. That's not what I'm saying. You know, in, under Israel's theocracy, the penalty for adultery and the penalty for a man having sex with another man was the same. The penalty was death. So it's not that homosexuality is the worst sin of of all sins. I'm not saying that. It's just that once you abandon the building blocks of society, there's nothing worth saving. There's nothing left to save. In other words, homosexuality was the last sin Sodom and Gomorrah tried to justify. And once it was justified, the jig was up. It was over with. There was nothing left but to destroy the city. Now, I almost hate to tell you this, but it is my conviction. What I'm going to tell you right now is not pretty. But I believe that same-sex marriages will be legalized in all 50 states. I believe that the gay community will, in the end, get its way. Uh, as a nation, I also believe that as a nation, we will justify the sin of homosexuality. Already, I think, in the Episcopal Church, they are ordaining gay men into the clergy. Already happening. And I say this, this view that that, um, the gay community will get their way, that uh, gay marriages will be legalized in all 50 states and, and that as a nation we will legitimize or justify the sin of homosexuality. I say this based on one reality that has occurred in our nation over the past oh, 50 years and that is that adultery that we, have adul- that we have justified in our nation the sin of adultery a long time ago. In other words, today, adultery is the hallmark sin of our nation. It's viewed as, basically, well, so what? Everybody's do you know, what's the big deal? That's how it's viewed today. I've mentioned this before, but if you didn't know your Bible, and you, were just, you would just watch movies and sitcoms and Hollywood flicks and, and soap operas, you would think that the most common thing to do is to cheat on your wife if you didn't know what the Bible said. I mean, it's where we have come as a nation that we have justified the sin of adultery as a nation. Did you know that at one time you had to have a proof of marriage to rent a motel room? For a couple to go in and rent a motel room, you had to give a marriage certificate in order to rent the room. Now, this has been a long time ago. But at one time, that's what you had to do, to rent a motel room. How have we justified the sin of adultery? Boy, you know, I mean, what do you think? Uh, That's a long story in itself. Uh, We could talk about, you know, the 60s. We could talk about, you know, the hippie generation, you know, make love, not war, Uh, We could talk about the media. We could talk about our educational system. We could talk about our schools. We could talk about handing out condoms at school. Uh, You know, we could talk about a lot of things that have led us down this road. We could talk about the silence of the church has been deafening. What's the church has been doing all this time? You know, you have couples who are living together, shacked up, coming to church. They raise their hands up. They praise the Lord. They're living in sin. No one says anything. After all, you know, I've got a lucrative job. I've got an income. I'm making money off these people. And if if that couple leave, they'll take 20 more with them. They'll take the rest of their family with them. You know, well, it's just, it's sad because I think we can expect the same thing to occur with the sin of homosexuality, that it will be justified in the end. So is homosexuality the worst sin of all? No, no it's not. It's just the last sin that we will try to justify as a nation before the jig is up and the final curtain falls on our nation. And that's what's really in your Bible.
0: Is it possible for you to change a desire that you know is wrong? Is it even possible to change the man or woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply stuck with our emotions, feelings, bad habits, with no hope of ever rising above them? Your Bible says, God gives His Holy Spirit to them that obey Him, which means change is possible. Learn the step-by-step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your two free magazines, Why You Need the Spirit of God and Should You Be Baptized. Having the Spirit of God makes the impossible possible. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. Also, check us out on the web at Is That Really com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program,